Good morning, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Family Life Podcast. I'm, I'm up again before the sun here in beautiful Mexico. And we're oh, just on this beautiful place. It's so inspiring. And today we're going to talk about the failure and success paradigm and how many times we are failing our way to success. And I've got this extraordinary story about a mountain, a big, big mountain. But first, I want to I share a little experience we had last night. Um, my friend Chris and I, he, he's got uh, six children, about the same age as mine. And we just went on a walk along the beach. Um, went on a nice, nice long walk and just talked. And just talked about life and talked about being a father and being a father of you know of a growing family teenage family and a family where our kids are about to start moving out and we talked about principles and practices and values and standards and beliefs and talked about the hard issues and we literally were walking along the sand got to watch the sun kind of set along the shore it was amazing so i just share that because i want to invite you all to do that more often. How often are you having very meaningful conversations? How often are you thinking about the things that really matter and and how to do them better, how to be your best self? How often are you thinking about and talking about with obviously with somebody you would trust and somebody who has something valuable to say? How often are you talking about the, the hard issues and the, the challenges and struggles that you're having and the challenges and struggles that your children are having. And this stuff, this stuff matters so much. And my guess is it's not happening often enough. So just, just an invite this morning on this beautiful morning to be alive. Don't just go through life, and it's so easy to go through life, just busy, swamped, just in survival mode or autopilot, just getting up every day and getting up into the list of things to do and putting out fires constantly. And the less often we have meaningful thought sessions and talk sessions, we'll call them, the less often we do that, the more often we have fires to put out and problems. And more challenges, more struggles, more pain. Ugh. So give, give it the time and effort it deserves, my friends. And if you don't have anybody in your life that you can talk to about those things, Go, go get them, man. Go get, go get those kind of people in your life. You got to have that. You got to have that. You need relationships like that. You might need to change your circle of influence. You might, uh, you might need to move. You might need to get into a different community. If you're a man, you definitely need to join the Be the Man tribe. And the and the Be the Man masterclass. Oh. Love this stuff, you guys. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? I got a story for you about 
failing, an epic, epic fail. So for months, uh, you guys know how much I love big mountains. I love hiking big mountains because they're hard, man. It, it takes a lot of training and preparation to climb the big mountains. It takes a lot of preparation and planning and, and a lot of travel. Most of these places are so far off. It, it takes a significant investment to get there. And you end up seeing and experience unbelievable things just in the journey to get close to the mountain. And this was true with Orizaba as well. It was oh, it was incredible. And it's the biggest mountain in Mexico. And our guide told us it's the third biggest mountain in the continent. Uh, oh, sorry. Big old yawn. Big morning yawn. <clears throat> Man, so I, I think I've mentioned before in my podcast that I'll occasionally have 3.30 a.m. mornings. I, you know, when you consistently get to bed at 9.30 Sometimes your body just pops up at 3.30. And I did that twice this week. Um, I got up at 5 this morning, which is my, you know, kind of the usual time is 5. But man, I had a rough night. We had a little, we had a cute little 4-year-old in between us. And she was upset about something. Who knows what? It turned sideways. And she wanted to sleep sideways. So she was kicking me and hitting my wife and screaming out about something. She was upset. I don't know what she was dreaming about. <laughs> Oh, man, one of those nights. So, yeah, so you, I love the mountain. I love the challenge of the mountain. I love the beauty and majesty and wonder of the mountain. And God, I don't I don't love it, but I love it. You know what I'm saying? I don't love it, but I love it. The fact that mountains are humbling. They will humble you. And I've, I've, I've thought this, believe this, kind of been a life philosophy since I was probably 17 or 18. You get out on the mountain and, and sometimes you conquer the mountain and sometimes the mountain conquers you. And you get to eat a big old serving of humble pie. And it's good to choose those things. I'm going to share that in a second, but when you choose the challenge, it's a very, very, very different thing than having it thrust upon you. So we've wanted to do this. The mountain's about um, 18,500 feet-ish, right around there. So significantly higher than anything on the continental U.S. And so we, we've been preparing for months. We've been training. You know, I, was, I was training with a weighted vest, first a 20-pound weighted vest, then a 40-pound weighted vest. We were running cycling we were just putting it in right and and uh three of my teens were in on it and they're 16 15 and 14 and then two of my mentees who are in their early 20s they wanted in um so they came to join us and rachel came with me and so we've been we've been training it's great and and uh, many of us have gotten in the best shape of our lives. So big success there, right? Uh, again, here's the success-failure paradigm. Um, and you'll, you'll hear about the failure right here in just a minute. But we're going we're gonna to look for failures and we're going to look for success. So in many ways, it was an epic fail. But in other ways, it was a tremendous success. And we have to learn to look at life that way. Otherwise, it just feels like one epic failure after another. And if you 
if you're failing, but you don't feel like you're failing forward or you don't recognize you're failing forward, then, then what's the point, right? And you just start to check out. And you look at yourself as a failure. And you begin to be resentful. And you lose the gratitude. And the wonder and the awe of, of the opportunity to be alive, people. And then you get angry and you get bitter and you get frustrated. And then you spend weeks or months or years or decades being irritated, frustrated, discontent, feeling like it's never enough and you're never enough. You with me? You with me on this one? I think you are because a lot of you, you understand these feelings and these frustrations. But one of the massive successes is that we were all training together, which I can't even tell you how much I love that. I dreamt of this for decades, to be able to train hard and exercise hard with my family. And so we created so many memories all through Georgia and Texas and all the full length of Mexico, training together, uh, the, the five of us. It was, it was so special. So well, and then, then our, my mentee. So six of us, right? And oh man, it was it was those memories, just running and hiking through the mountains of, of northern Mexico, and all of that, all those memories, all that training, all the grit, all the getting up early, all the going out when we didn't feel like going out, like all of that, huge, huge, huge successes. All that way. So then we're, we're heading down there. We have all these wonderful experiences together. And then, you know, the, the day is fast approaching. And so we're getting ready. And then on we're, we're going to climb on a Friday. Start on a Friday. And Wednesday, my daughter, who's 14, gets some kind of stomach bug and gets really sick. And, and we all kind of had little grumbly stomachs that just weren't happy about something that we ate. Or or maybe it was a little stomach flu. or something. I don't know what it was. But anyway, she was throwing up like a champ, right? And we all know that when you're, when you're throwing up, boy, you get dehydrated, you get weak. And so she went a good 24 hours without any food or water. And in fact, she just kept throwing up, couldn't keep anything down. So finally I took her to a, a local doctor and, and she got a little injection that just settled the stomach and got rid of everything. So so the next morning she was up and at him and eating and drinking and back at it. But it, it had taken its effect, right? She didn't work out and she had no food or water. So then the next day, Thursday, I got it. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I got it. And oh man, I... Uh, I don't I don't like being sick. I rarely ever get sick. And man, I don't like being sick. Uh, call me a wimp, but man, I don't like being sick. And so, and usually I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just deal with it, whatever. But like, and we had a drive that day. We had a uh, drive down to the city of Orizaba from where we were. And so we're driving. I start driving. I'm like, oh, I'm so sick. I'm just, <laughs> I'm like, I can't drive because if I start blowing chunks, I'm going to be, Rolling down the window here, throwing up on the on the highway across Mexico while I'm driving. I'm like, that's not good. So I 
I jump in the passenger seat and Rachel starts driving. And I'm just sitting in the passenger seat in the fetal position, just trying to think of my happy place, right? And just doing everything I can not to throw up. I was using all of my mental powers to to keep my body in, in check as, as much as possible. So what was supposed to be like a three and a half hour drive took us eight hours. There was insane traffic for some reason. It was just crazy. So eight hours later, just sitting in the car in the passenger seat like, please don't throw up. <laughs> and uh, I did not throw up. I kept, I was able to keep it all down. But I did not eat or drink anything, and it took its toll, right? So no workout that day, just the the toll it takes on your body. No food, no water. So I got dehydrated. I got weakened. It's Thursday. The next day, we're heading up the mountain. So then we get to our place, get settled in, and I just crash. And then... What was... (laughs) That's funny, man. We get to our place, and it's always a wild ride when you're... Airbnb, it's funny because people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you learn everybody's perspective. Here, there's, there's another, like, success failure, right? You learn you learn about people's perspectives because they'll, they'll look at their place and they're like, this is amazing. You get there and it's a dump. <laughs> and we ended up having to leave um, a couple days later because we got there and there wasn't even a stove. There was no stove or oven. Like, you got to be kidding me. Like, how, how are we supposed to eat? And they're just like, what? And they, they're like, there's a fire pit out, you know, outside. You could you could cook over fire. I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess technically we could. But we got to feed all these people. <laughs> oh, because at that point, then we had um, 13 people with us. Oh, my goodness. It was awesome. So a couple people flew in and... So I'm like, can't cook over a little teeny fire for 13 people. So we hired a local lady to cook for us. It was awesome. It ended up being really special because she hadn't she hadn't had any work since COVID had started, and um, and so she told us it, it, were, it was it was perfect. It was like divinely orchestrated because she their family really needed the money, and then it ended up being her daughter's 15th birthday, which is the quinceanera, right? The their big birthday, and so with the money that she earned uh, with us which we were so happy to pay, she was able to buy all the stuff to throw a big party for her daughter. It ended up being really special. So we get there and we're like, oh boy. <laughs> so we crash. Then uh, then the next day, the, our guides, our mountain guides pick us up. We drive all the way across the... We thought we were close, but obviously it just it takes... It's hard to get to mountains, man. And so we drive all the way up to the refugio, which is at 4,000 meters, and that's somewhere around 14,000 feet. And so for a lot of people, that was, uh, in our group, that was the highest they'd ever been, just to just to drive up there. And the drive was majestical. It was awesome. Just gorgeous. We stop and take pictures and run along and just have this adventure. And, and just even getting that high, you know, you feel it. So we get up there and we get kind of, we get settled in and it's cold. Well, the sun was up, so it was beautiful. We're in t-shirts and then all of a sudden the sun drops behind the mountain. Boom, the cold hits hard, which is what mountains are like, right? And it had been, been raining like crazy. And so in all the rain, of course, at that height, it was snow. And it hadn't, our guide told us he hadn't seen snow like that on the mountain for five years. And so there was snow right from the refugio. We had to put in our, 
the next morning we had to put our crampons on right away because it was all well and then it got really cold so it was all ice right so all the snow turned into ice so we we were okay we gotta get to bed so we eat something i'm still dehydrated still not feeling hot rachel's not feeling it we're just all kind of you know a couple of the others were they just a little gut and ah man just we'd taken this little bug so we have some some mountain house backpacking meals that we had uh, brought with us that was a nice touch and then we climb into bed and they have these the refugio is just a big rectangle where you're out of the elements and it was you know it's good so we we lay down on the bunks and try to go to sleep i woke up during the night with this insane headache realizing that the bunks were like slanted towards the back so our our heads were lower than our feet <laughs> it's filled all the blood like just slowly running towards her head so i flip around finally and when i flip around i realize that rachel's just been sitting there and she hasn't been able to sleep because she's had such a nasty stomach ache so she kind of gotten it right and just oh she was just nauseated so she was feeling terrible she hadn't slept at all oh and here's the other thing we, we lay down and we finally fall asleep and right i mean we, it could have been it, it was like the perfect storm you guys it could have been great, but then this group, this group of other hikers, comes in, and they come in. So we, our sleeping window, basically, we got into bed around, I think nine, and our sleep. We had to wake up at twelve or twelve thirty. So that was our sleeping window. We need to wake up around twelve thirty. This group comes in around ten thirty, and they are they're loud as a louder than a herd of elephants. I mean, it was it was crazy. Like no respect at all, no consciousness even. <laughs> like, and it was funny. Like everyone, everyone I met up there, even our own group the next morning, our guides. I don't think they know how to whisper. Like, I don't, I don't know. That was the one thing. I'm like, I can, I can go over and whisper very quietly. They're like, Hey, it's time, it's time to get up. Let's get going, right? It's like that's their whisper. I'm like, what in the world? So this next group, they weren't going to hike that night. They were going to hike the following night. They stayed up there two nights, which is one of our fails. There's another fail point. Because of our tight schedule for work and travel, we didn't, we weren't able to stay the two nights, which epic fail. Lesson learned on that one. So we basically, we didn't sleep hardly at all, and we're still feeling cruddy. So we get up, and we start hiking about 1.30. And it's cold, my friends, and it is dark, except there was a full moon. It was just totally full moon on a clear night, and we got to see a moon bow um, with this perfect ring around the moon. It was stunning. I mean, we, we would stop in that dark and just look up, and oh my goodness, it was stunning. So it gave us some beautiful light and it, shining on the snow. It, it was incredible. And so... We didn't sleep well. We'd been kind of yucky. And so now, and then you're at the altitude, and it, oh man, we start going, and we, and it's just boom right at the gate, just straight. You're just gonna climb up in a fairly short distance. You're gonna climb a lot of elevation gain, and your legs are burning, your lungs are burning, and uh, I mean, every, I was, I was so proud. So here's another success. I was so proud of everyone in our group. They 
pushed hard. Every one of them, they pushed their limits. And so that's a major success. But here's the epic fail. Not one of us, not a single person in our group was able to summit. And so it's this epic fail, right? You go down to summit this mountain and the whole group with all the expense and everything, all the effort, all the planning, all the planning and training and all of it just feels like a failure, right? Because nobody summited. Well, let me let me tell a story. So we start going and little by little like uh they're they're just starting to feel it and feeling the the yuck uh, and so and some of it may have been altitude well i don't know the, we had the the stomach thing and then some of it may have been altitude too so um my son and daughter we, we were pushing hard and again they got up to higher than they'd ever been and they were like oh man we were just not feeling it it was brutal just just even to not sleep and then to be feeling yucky and to be up there in the in the, in those conditions in the cold so they did they did well they hiked way up and they're like yeah we're going back and so they started heading back and then my wife was going to keep coming but then she decided she wanted to go back with them but she had gotten higher than she'd ever been in her life my daughter had gotten higher than she'd ever been in her life um, my son had been higher with me over in uh, the base camp of everest but he was not feeling well he went back and ended up vomiting way back down at camp they just went back down there were sitting there just cold and miserable got their sleeping bags out and went back to bed and finally got some sleep um and so then the, the rest of us kept going and we got up to the saddle and man the wind was whipping up there and it was freezing and then my other son that's where he began to feel the the dizziness um, it, at certain altitudes you feel and it's not everybody like our guides they're so they're so accustomed to it they're like whatever <laughs> I can do this thing blindfolded and like they they were they're amazing uh, in fact so we had two different guides one had done it 70 some odd times uh, the other guide that went the highest with with me and Devin he had done it over 200 times and he's only like in his mid-20s. I mean, the guy just goes up all the time. He's, he's so skilled, such a skilled climber. This is amazing. And so um, we're going, and my son is 15. He, we get to the saddle, and he's feeling it. He's starting to feel the, like the, the dizziness. And then you start to feel the nausea, too. And he, he was just looking at me like, I just feel so dizzy. I'm like, yeah, brother, you better better head back and so he he again way higher than he's ever been in his life which was awesome and he pushed his limits all the way he did not want to give up but he just was feeling the the altitude there and so then it was just uh three of us left and uh, one of them had a, a leg injury again and he pushed he pushed through all that pain he just was feeling it and he, he hurt his leg the day before, two days before, but he, he'd pushed through, just had done so well. And so then we were tied together. You know, you got your ice axe, you're using your crampons, and this glacier is steep. And you, you feel like, you're like, we've come so far, it's right there, I can see it. But at that point, you're only like halfway of the strain, and then it's just hours of just grinding up this steep glacier and you're kind of doing these little switchbacks because it's so steep. And so you're just kicking in your 
you're crampon into the ice and stabbing in your ice axe and just kind of and you have to take these teeny little baby steps because if you try to take a couple of big steps you get <laughs> at least a lot of people I did especially you start feeling the the vertigo right the dizziness and the nausea and I, I'd felt it before when we climbed Kalapatar in Nepal but you just have to take these little teeny steps and keep breathing because it just the air gets so thin and the strain on your body. So we climbed for a couple more hours and got the unbelievable reward of watching the sunrise against the, the steep edge of the glacier and the sun kind of shining, rising right there with this radiant light against the snow. It was, oh, I'll never forget that view. It was unbelievable. It was so beautiful. And have that sunrise after that long, long hike through the night and the early morning. It was st- oh, so beautiful and so inspiring. And then we got we kept going and kept going and man I was feeling the I was feeling the vertigo, especially feeling the vertigo for me. And so we kept going, kept climbing, and then we got up to the point and this is one of the special things about this volcano in particular, is it when the sun rises it casts a perfect like pyramid shadow out across the Mexican Valley and like a massive shadow that's miles and miles and miles it's incredible and I got to take a picture of that and we we're up there and we were pushing going and and finally at one point I was feeling so dizzy and we were all roped together and at one point I, I was like man this is I feel like it's getting dangerous because I'm getting so dizzy with each little step and so we rested for a while but we we're getting cold and so at one point I, I called it off. I'm like, yeah, I just, I don't want to be the risk to the group. So I said, we better, we better head back down. And we were about, we were about 500 feet from the top. It, we were, we were close. You could, you could see, you could pretty much see to, to the top and see the people up there. Like, man, I'm so stinking close. Oh, and I wanted it so desperately. But I was empty too. I mean, I was I was empty. And we had to get off the mountain, and so we turned around and we just bombed it straight down that thing. <laughs> it was it was actually pretty awesome, just smashing your heels with the crampons into it and just straight down. We even got a picture afterwards. We just came straight down that thing and left this big old trail. The three of us bombing down there. Then met up with our other friend and, and the other guide, and then got down to the saddle and just would pounding as much food as we can get in our bodies. We just need, desperately needed the calories um, and the rest. It's laying there in the snow. And so the the mountain had beat us. It had beat us. But I felt, well, I got to see that sunrise. I got to see the shadow. And I, I felt like I had left it all on the mountain. Like I... It wasn't because, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I don't feel like it. I'm like, I feel like I'd pushed all my limits in the, in those conditions and left it on the mountain. So, again, that's a success, right? There's a there's a tremendous amount of success when you push your limits. And so, and the guys I was with, they had, they had gone far, much, much higher than they'd ever been either. And so, in many ways, it's just the choosing challenge and putting that voluntarily putting that strain on your mind because of the mental toughness and on your body 
That's a win. And we didn't summit, right? But we win, and so that's a fail. And there is a failure. That's a legit failure. I did not summit. We had perfect weather, and I didn't summit. Um, and so, we, well, we will go back. There's already a group of us. We made a commitment. We were going to come back, and we're going to conquer that mountain. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to let that that mountain win. I will come back, and we'll do that again. Maybe here in a, in a couple months, even. Uh, it, our schedule might work to go back and do it again. But we we learned a lot and gained a lot. And so I wanted to share. I just want to share that story and the principle. And invite you to choose challenge, to purposely choose challenging things. And we were we were talking about that on the way up, and especially afterwards, because all of us, you know, you're, you you didn't sleep well, you don't feel well, you're grinding, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, and you're what you're asking yourself, what are we doing? What? Why are we on this mountain? This is insane. We should be back in bed. Like why? What are we doing? Right? And you have to ask yourself that. And like, this is crazy. And it's because we choose challenge. You purposely choose challenge. You purposely push your limits. And yeah, it's uncomfortable. And so it's unpleasant. It's the same experience I had when I was doing triathlons. Every time. Every time I was in a triathlon, uh, just the grind of it. I'm mentally like, why do I do this? This is insane. This feels horrible. And then I'd cross the finish line and be like, okay, when's the next one? There's something magical and powerful about choosing to challenge yourself. Voluntarily putting strain on your mind and your body. And while I was climbing, it was it was a good two or three hours when it was mentally hardest. I was just focusing on, on this, this new group that I created the the Be the Man tribe and the Be the Man masterclass and thinking and thinking of you guys, this audience, and thinking of of those men and pushing, right? Thinking of them, I literally was like, okay, I, I'm doing this. I got to do that. I got to keep pushing my limits. I got to keep taking more steps. I got to keep grinding because I want to push my limits so that I can I can leave it all on the table. I just just be completely physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually exhausted, spent, empty. And say, "Hey, I pushed it. I pushed all my limits so that I can invite you, my friends, to push your limits and to voluntarily choose challenge and strain and to put to put that on your mind, mind and your body. Because that's the only way we're really going to grow. I've been thinking about that. Obviously, there's this part of life where it's the two-sided coin. On one side of the coin, you don't you don't have to strain or struggle. You just like it's like watching a flower grow, you know? It's just it's just growing. There's not a strain or struggle or fight. It's just this beautiful growth and then on one side of life, there's that, right? And we have a lot of friends like that. They're, that's their philosophy. Just kind of allow it to happen. And I think that's beautiful. It's a very beautiful thing. And I think there's parts of life that are like that. There's, it's not the strain or the struggle or the push or the challenge. or the. It's just allowing these beautiful things to flower and blossom in our lives. Like 
totally agree. I think it's beautiful. On the other side of the coin, I think there is an element that requires the push and the effort and the strain to get past uh, inertia, especially inertia. There's a lot of inertia going on. In fact, I think there's across the world there's a massive amount of inertia caused, not either caused or exacerbated by you know what happened in 2020 with COVID and everybody staying home and not going anywhere or doing anything. A lot of people have slipped into total inertia. They don't want to go out of their houses. They don't want to go anywhere. They they're they're sadly they're beginning to think that people are the virus and they're afraid of other people and they don't want to be around people and they start. It's sad when you start seeing people as a virus. Oh, you've missed the mark. But they don't want to go anywhere now. And now that they, you know, they they got home and they're comfortable and they're in their homes. They don't want to go back out to work. And they don't want to go back to to life. And <laughs> people who used to be active are now completely inactive. And and so there's a lot of well, and there's a lot of good that's coming out of it too. It's just again, it's this is our opportunity to respond. So sometimes those failures um, have major, major successes in them. And so my invitation, my friends, is for all of us to fail our way forward to success. Push your limits. And sometimes you're going to hit a limit and you're going to collapse or you're going to get past the limit and collapse. And, you know, figuratively or literally. But that's where things are exciting and memorable and real. That's where we get unbelievable amounts of growth and gain and perspective we get to see things and understand things that you never could otherwise and having having gone up the mountain right we get to see a perspective that very very few people do relatively and what's awesome is when you come back down you because you can't stay on the mountain right there's a great quote by Rene Dumont it's like why why go up the mountain then because you can't stay up there and he says in, in the quote, he's like, because once you've, you've gone up there, it's changed you. It's given you a perspective. So now when you come back down, you get to keep the memory of what you saw. You get to keep the vision of what you saw. And you get to bring that higher perspective back down to you know, the lower ground, so to speak. And so I want, I want to invite you with, with us to push your limits, challenge yourself, do it in family, do it in relationships, do it mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, socially, financially, do it in business. Take calculated risks in these attempts to voluntarily put strain on your life. Again, in an appropriate way, measure it, but go for it. Live a great story. Be willing to try new things that may not work out. And, and be okay with that. Like, I'm just going to make an attempt here. And we, uh, <laughs> Rachel and I are taking off um, today to go to Ecuador. And we're going to go attempt Cotopaxi, which is almost a 1,000 feet higher than Orizaba. <laughs> right? We're going after we're going for a higher one. We didn't summit the one, we're going for a bigger one. And then after that we have uh, chartered a private yacht with some friends to sail around the Galapagos. And oh man, 
bucket list stuff. We're, we've been on the road of thing for six weeks. We've just been cranking out the, the life list, the bucket list. It's been unbelievable. We're about to do it again in a major way. Things, things I've dreamt about and had on my list for years. It's, it's go time. It's so fun. And we get, to, we get to do things with like life like that. And you get to write your own ticket. And yes, in all of it, anything you're pursuing, any great and noble thing you're pursuing, at least in my estimation, is going to require some strain and some struggle and some risk. And there will be some failures. You just, especially when you're trying something new or different, you're going to fumble a little bit. You're going to make mistakes. You're, you're going to take that leap and you're necessarily going to have to try to figure things out. You're going to start a new business or hire new employees. And now you got to figure out how to work with employees or work in this new business. You're going to try to build new relationships, right? Build new friendships and influence people. And you're going to, you're going to mess up. But we have to, I think, it's a beautiful part of life. I think it's a privilege and an opportunity to fail ourselves into success and to celebrate those successes. See them. Keep a note of them. Like, write them down. In fact, I, I think all of us in our, in our journals and where we're learning about life, I think all of us would just get tremendous value out of keeping an ongoing list of your successes and of your failures. And celebrate those successes. And honestly, I mean, kind of celebrate the failures too. Learn from them. There's a lot of growth and a lot of lesson. A lot of perspective that comes from the failures. There's a lot of fruit in failing. So let's do it, my friends. Let's do it. Let's go after it. Live... Live boldly, live courageously, just be alive. Do not settle for a humdrum, mediocre existence. Don't, don't hold back and be afraid because you're afraid of failing. Get out and fail, <laughs> right? Don't, don't hold back because you're afraid of the failure. Lean into it. And if you fail, great, learn from it, grow. Get after it. You, you've all heard this. It was Thomas, um, Thomas Stanley who was uh, one of the founders of IBM, he said, somebody asked him, what's the quickest way to success? And he said, easy, increase your rate of failure. And you've heard that before, but are you doing it? Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to make the attempt? It's interesting as, as how, it's, it's unbelievable. I, this comes up all the time, almost daily with, with coaching and working with people, is the fear of failure. And as I've mentioned before, for many, even more intimidating than the fear of failure is the fear of looking like a failure. Be willing to, to risk that, my friends. Prepare in every way you can. We, we prepared, and we thought we prepared in every way we can, but now, having made the attempt, we realize, ah, there's a few things we could have even prepared even better, which we will do next time. And we'll go get the success. In fact, we're going to do it this time. We're going to take the lessons we learned on Orisaba and apply them to uh, Cotopaxi. Ah, yeah. So there will be another podcast coming about that one. You can guarantee it. And, and, and from the Galapagos, too. Oh, I love this. And for celebrating 20 years of marriage, we're doing this kind of an anniversary trip. And val like a Valentine's anniversary trip. And Man, a year ago, you guys... 
a year ago we were leading a couple's trip in Thailand and it was just when when they were starting to talk about COVID and we were in Thailand. In fact, today, one year ago today, we were having a Valentine's dinner at the Ritz Carlton in Krabi, watching the sunset into the ocean. Oh, wow. I can't believe it's only been a year. We've done so much, had so many extraordinary experiences. Anyways, love you guys. Live life deliberately. Create an absolutely extraordinary family life. And and share it. Share your journey. Share your story. Share this podcast. Share the videos. Share the courses. Share, let's just join this movement to help people live extraordinary lives because there's too many people just settling into a humdrum existence and a life they don't love. And if it's if it's possible, and it is, to live a life you love, then why on earth would we settle for a life we don't love? So share it. Be bold. Be courageous. Raise your voice. Find your voice and raise your voice and, and live, live your mission and your purpose and reach for your potential. And let's, let's have these amazing lives together as we're raising our families and striving to be our best. All right. Love you guys. Get out there. Reach upward.